Good morning. Um, for those I haven't met, my name is Scott. I have the privilege of teaching the scriptures this morning as well as being the pastor here at Novation. Somebody commented on the way in that I was wearing flip-flops and I got set free last summer when <laughs> post-COVID church, I got, we all got set free. Everybody was wearing shorts, so it was good. Um, plus the Goldbergs, half the worship team and they have a TV show as well. Did you know that? We are the Goldbergs, so pretty darn cool. Let me pray. Father, as we look at the most important question we could ever ask today, I humble myself before you. I humble myself before this church family. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would truly be the teacher. Lead and guide my thoughts for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're kicking off, as Brian said, this brand new series, Frequently Asked Questions. And during the uh, teaching this morning, if you have your Novation app, you can go in and you can text questions. Anything that comes to your, your mind during the, the sermon, that's what we're going to talk about as we eat food together uh, after the teaching time. So as God gives you a question or something about the Bible or this, the, the teaching, either way you want to know, um, you could kind of keep the goofy ones to yourself because it's going to be hard to, to uh, decipher through all of them. But um, I thought before we got into it, I would ask you a few questions. So when you question your answers to questions that sometimes seem obvious, right? Like we're going to talk about who is Jesus. That may seem obvious, but maybe it's not. And my hope and prayer for all of us is that we'll grow, move from just being a Christian to we really follow Jesus, like we follow Jesus in our everyday life. Here's a couple questions, questions and answers. A little first part is a little bit of riddle sort of questions. What are two things you can never eat for breakfast? Lunch and dinner. You're exactly right. Except for how many are like me? You like to eat dinner items for breakfast. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, what word? What word is spelled incorrectly in every single dictionary? Bingo. You had your coffee this morning. Good job. Everybody else was like, um, what word would you use to describe a man who does not have all his fingers on one hand? See the. Don't know who that is. Sorry. Oh. Uh, no, we call them normal because everybody has half their fingers on just one hand. That's what I'm talking about. How can a girl uh, go 25 days without sleep? <laughs> she had a baby, she said. No, but good answer. She sleeps at night, people, not during the day. See, you got to follow track with me here. All right, a couple more. You spot a boat full of people, but there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? They're all married. You're exactly right. All right. What will you actually find at the end of every rainbow? The letter W. Good job, Brian. All right. 
Carnival cruise. Who's been on a carnival cruise before? They're frequently asked questions. I have to give a few of these because they're pretty funny. Um, somebody asked the question, what time is the midnight buffet? <laughs> Do the crew members sleep on board? No, they're in the little boats. <laughs> yeah, the dinghies. Somebody said, if I go on the snorkeling excursion, will I get wet? Yeah, it's kind of the purpose. Um, the photo manager at the display of the photos, um, somebody said, how do I know which photos are mine? <laughs> somebody, I don't really get this because I'm not a lady, but to the spa manager, how small does your face have to be for a mini facial? <laughs> they were in Rome, visiting Rome, and somebody said, I'm very disappointed. Why are the ruins in such bad shape? What do you do with the beautiful ice carvings after they've melted? Probably pour them down the drain. So we're questioning, questioning our, our answers to frequently asked questions when it comes to Jesus in the Bible. Who is Jesus? Why did he come to the earth? What does he expect of me? And where do I go from here? That's the four questions that we're going to look at. Those seem like obvious answer questions. Why would we say, question your answer? Well, when I was in high school, if you would have asked me who Jesus was, I would have said, he's this taskmaster that I can't live up to, and he's mad at me all the time. Anybody relate to that? That was, that was who I thought Jesus was. Today, I wouldn't say that at all. My answer is completely different of who Jesus is. And so our, our hope, my hope and prayer is that we will grow. Questioning your answers is a good thing. It sharpens us. It's, it's good to question sometimes um, presuppositions because we might be getting it wrong. We might not have the right understanding. So my prayer, I was telling somebody this morning, my prayer for us as a church family and anybody that would participate over the next four weeks is that, and this is always my prayer, but that we would move from just being Christian to people who really follow Jesus. Because it's easy to say you're a Christian, it's easy to say I'm a believer, but do I follow Jesus in my everyday life? Does, am I building my life on that foundation of who Jesus is? And if I'm going to build my life on Jesus, I sure need to know who he really is. I sure need to know who, what, he, what he did and what he expects. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus takes his his uh, disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And I talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's where the, there literally is a place called the gates of hell. And there's these pools of water that the people at the time thought were the way into Hades, the way into to, to the abode of the dead. And we went there when we were in Israel. Did I tell you we went to Israel? We did. And... Uh, so Jesus takes his disciples to this place where all this evil happened, idol worship, demon worship. And he takes them and he says this to them. He says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, 
you can pull that one down. But I'm going to come to that in just a second. We, uh, if Jesus walked into Novation today physically, and he came in here and said, Novation, who do people you know say that I am? What kind of responses would he get? In our world today, who do people say Jesus is? Because he gets all kinds of crazy things said about him, right? Um, I know a lot of people who are former Christians. They had a bad experience with church. They had a bad experience with what they were told who Jesus is. And they don't follow him. They don't even identify as a Christian anymore. Some cults would say Jesus is Michael the Archangel from the Old Testament. Others would say he's the spirit brother of, of Lucifer, both created beings. The Da Vinci Code, when that was all the rage, the Da Vinci Code was all about how Jesus was misunderstood, propagated you know, by the church, and he was married, he didn't really die on a cross and rise again, and so forth. Some would say he's a good teacher, some say he's a prophet. When it gets to the Enlightenment era, when you study history, when science became the, the thing that people started putting their trust in more than, than miracles, more than the supernatural, it was, well, we don't really believe that Jesus really was a virgin, had a virgin birth or really rose from the grave, but let's follow him anyway. And just kind of unplugged the power of what it means to follow Jesus. And so... We have to ask ourselves the question, who is Jesus? Because Jesus turned around, and then he says to him, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter replies, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And as you know, Jesus says, that's the right answer, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven did. So such an important question for you and I to go, who is Jesus? And then work your way backwards on everything else that you, you believe. Who really is Jesus? Jesus is the Word of God. We're told in, in the Gospel of John, He is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God, but it's the Word that leads us to understanding the true Word of God, and that's Jesus. So I'm going to give you a 30,000-foot thing about who Jesus is, and then we're going to work it and make it more, more and more personal, each thing. Jesus is the Creator Redeemer and sustainer of all things. Jesus created everything, we're told. He is, by his death and resurrection, he's the redeemer of all things. And then he's the sustainer. Paul the apostle, who was an eyewitness to the resurrected Jesus, Paul, um, he had a phenomenal transformation. He was a religious terrorist, killing Christians for following this guy named Jesus, the way. Here's what he writes about who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's a lot. Jesus is a big deal. That's what Paul basically can summarize. Jesus is the biggest deal there is. And we should make much of him and see him for who he is. Why I follow Jesus? There's many reasons, but, but one of the main reasons I follow Jesus is he answers the big questions of life. He doesn't answer every question in life, but he answers the big ones like, why do I exist? What's gone wrong with this world? What happens when I die? Where am I going when I die? He answers those big questions. A couple other thoughts about Jesus from the bigger picture is Jesus is God's unique and eternal son. He's his unique and eternal son. He's God. He's Lord. He's Messiah. He's king. Like these big, legal, huge, formal terms are all true about Jesus. Jesus is the savior of the whole world, we're told. He's the savior of the whole world. Paul told Timothy in his letter to Timothy, he says, we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Especially of those who believe. Does that trigger a question? How is he the savior of all the world? If it triggers a question, text it to the, um, through the app, Any, anything. We want to, this whole goal is to just saturate ourselves with questions and answers so that we grow, so that we grow in our understanding. What does he save us from? If he's savior, he's saving us from something. He saves us from our three main enemies. He saves us from the power of sin. That's what Hebrews 9.26, he saves us from the power of sin. You ever have a struggle in your life, a habit that you can't seem to break? I know I have. It's Jesus in us breaking the power of sin. It's not me trying harder, promising him more and more I'll never do it again. It's leaning on the power of Christ in us. He broke the power of sin. We just have to recognize that. He saves us from the fear of death. He saves us from the fear of death. Death is the one great leveler, right? None of us are going to escape it. But Paul told Timothy that by his death and resurrection, Jesus abolished death. Man, he rendered it powerless. It's powerful to think about. And then he saves us from the works of the evil one. The Apostle John said Jesus came to destroy the works of, of Satan, the devil. Another point about Jesus, this is where it's going to move from here to a little bit closer and more and more personal for each one of us. Jesus is what God is like. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Like father, like son. He's the spitting image of his father. How he behaves, how he acts. So if you want to know what God is like, you read in the Gospels, and you see in the life of Jesus, this is what God is like. I have my own little uh, kind of catechism I've been coming up with. So, so who is God? Well, God is first and foremost an eternal relationship between the Father, Son, and Spirit. Okay, well, what, what's God like? He's like Jesus. <laughs> He's like Jesus. So when you've seen Jesus, you see what the Father's like. I bet many of you have had this idea that the Father is just in heaven angry 
waiting to pounce. I know that's what I was taught, and that Jesus is my shield. If it wasn't for Jesus, Father was going to come get me. And sometimes in our, our understanding of life based upon our own father figures or authority figures in our life that maybe were abusive or, or um, negligent, absent, we project that onto God the Father. But that's not true. Jesus is what God is like. It's easy to create a think wrong. It's easy to think wrong about what God is like. Jesus came to clear things up. The Apostle John, another eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he writes in John chapter 1, he said, No one has ever seen God, but God the Son has made him known. So he's saying Abraham, Moses, David, all these great characters that we see in the Old Testament, they had never really seen God. They knew about him. Jesus came to show us what God is like. It's so important. We can get this legalistic Jesus. Anybody know him? <laughs> I'll raise your hand. Some of you were raised very legalistic, right? You can have a legalistic Jesus, and he's, this, he's out to get you. He's mad at you. You can't live up to him. But then you can have the flip side is you can get liberal Jesus, where he doesn't care about anything, and anything goes. Both of those extremes are wrong. Jesus is Lord Jesus. I remember... Years ago, when I was on staff at Faith Bible Chapel, the people from the Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas, you know, they were always picketing uh, funerals, and they say terrible things in the name of Jesus. And they say God hates people. <laughs> he doesn't love everybody. And I went out and I engaged this couple. Give me. I engaged this couple in conversation and I said, are you sure you're going to heaven when you die? And I remember the lady, she said, no, I, I can't be sure of that. No one knows whether they've been chosen by God or not. You'll find out when you get there. I was like, ooh, sucks to be you. Your, your theology is no, no good. But then her husband started engaging with me, and he said, let me ask you a question. Does your pastor preach that God loves everybody? I said, of course. And he said, oh, this is, church is full of heresy and blah, blah, blah. And I can't remember what I said to him, but he called me a dumb donkey with ears. <laughs> and I was like, well, have a good day. This talk, like, talking to this table was, was like talking to them. So we want to realize Jesus is what God is like. Here's where, what I want you to hear today. Jesus is how the Father feels about you. Let that sink in. Jesus is how the Father feels about you. When you look at the life of Jesus, and you look at the love of Jesus, you look at the sacrifice of Jesus, He's how the Father feels about you. For God so loved you, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. And John also writes in 1 John 3, 1, See how much the Father loves us. When you look at the person of Jesus, you see how much the Father loves us. We tend to, and this is on your notes, we tend to think about or explain Jesus in formal and legal terms. But Jesus seems fonder of relational and familial terms. You ever thought about that? Chris Ingalls told me that the other day, and I was like, that's beautiful. Jesus... 
Yes, he knows he's king, he's Lord, he's Messiah, but he used a different language when he talked about his people. There's a story in Matthew 12 where Jesus is at somebody's house ministering, and there's a group of people listening to him teach. And somebody comes in the house and they say, hey, Jesus, uh, your, brother and si- your brother and mother are outside. And Jesus says, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's like, listen, people who want to follow me, they're my family. Yes, Mary's his mom and he had brothers, but he was opening that door to, to the rest of us as well. And then to his disciples, he tells his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You, you let people into your life, into your inner circle. You don't tell just a stranger you deep, dark stuff, right? Not just deep, dark, but just intimate details about your life. That's what Jesus is saying here. I've made known to you everything I've heard from my Father. I've now given over to you because you're my friends. That's how he sees you. We need, to, we need to grow in our understanding that we are the family of Christ. We're the friends of Christ. And then last week, uh, Kristen Diebel asked the question when we were uh, testing the texting thing on the app. She asked you to... She read from Hebrews that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And many of you um, text in questions that I'm going to answer here in just a second. But it says this in Hebrews 2. Here's the context of that question. He purifies people from their sins, and both he and those who are made pure all have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his family. He says to God, I will tell my people what you have done. I will praise you in their meeting. He also says, I will put my trust in God. And he also says, here I am with the children that God has given me. Powerful family language. He sees you as family. And I know some of you are thinking right now, you're thinking, Scott, you don't know. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Jesus is ashamed of me. I'm here to tell you he's not ashamed of you. He loves you. doesn't mean he loves what we do or our behavior, and he definitely wants us to, 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 to learn how to walk as he walks in love and forgiveness, purity. Yes, that is the very best life. He wants that. He also knows that we're weak. He also knows that we're frail. He also knows we're broken. That's why Jesus came into this broken world where Adam and Eve sinned, and sin enters into the world, death enters into the world, and the world's broken, violent, hurtful. Jesus said, I'm going to go into humanity, I'm going to go to the very pit, and I'm going to come up, and I'm going to give them new life. I'm going to turn this thing around. Remember I had the illustration weeks ago with the sock? Like, if you had a sock, and it turned inside out, that's the work of Adam. Jesus turned the sock right side out again. So a couple, couple questions came in last week. Um, how is Jesus able to be God the Son, God the Father, and our brother? Well, Jesus is not the Father. He is the Son. So when we understand who God is, 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but one God. And you're going, that doesn't make sense mathematically. Well, God's not a math problem, right? It's just the way it's revealed in Scripture. It's the way Jesus revealed his relationship to his Father. I remember talking to somebody one time that didn't believe that Jesus was God, and they said, well, if he's God, who was he praying to in the garden? To his Father. They're, they're distinct from each other. So it's important that we remember that, not just theologically, but relationally. The Father, Son, and the Spirit. And somebody asked the question, how do we view Jesus as a brother and our king? How do we be awe of him and see him as a brother too? I get that, you know. But if your brother became the president of the United States, is he going to be your president or is he going to be your brother first? You get what I'm saying? And so that's how Jesus wants us to understand, yes, he's king, he's Lord, he's, he's the creator, sustainer, redeemer of all things, but he's also our brother. It's that family language. Somebody said, so is it okay to wrestle with my brother like I do with my earthly sim- siblings? You betcha, Jesus likes to wrestle. Ask Jacob in the Old Testament if Jesus likes to wrestle or not. Definitely. Here's how I want to bring this to a head before we get into our Q&A more. No one who meets and encounters the real Jesus stays the same. Nobody. Now, if we haven't encountered the real Jesus, we've, we've had an artificial, a, a poor look at what Jesus is, a poor understanding, then Jesus wants to reveal himself to you and I, fresh and new today. I mean, like I said, when I was in high school, I would have said one thing about Jesus, but I, I've been growing every year and understanding a little bit more and more about him. And that's the way he wants this relationship to be. In uh, Luke 19, records the story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. If you've read the story, when I think of Zacchaeus, I always think Danny DeVito. I picture Danny DeVito in my mind. That was that brutal, huh? I just was, I think he would play him if we did a movie. Jesus went on into Jericho and was passing through. There was a chief tax collector there named Zacchaeus. Tax collectors were considered scum by the Jewish people because they extorted and collected taxes for the Romans and extorted money so that they could get rich at, at, under the oppression, their own oppressed people. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was a little man, thank Danny DeVito, and could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him with great joy. All the people who saw it started grumbling. This man has gone to be a guest to the home of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Listen, sir, I will give half of my belongings to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house today, for this man also is a descendant of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All he said was Zacchaeus, I'm going to eat dinner at your house today. And then it just snowballed. Why? 
Zacchaeus didn't join a church. He didn't fill out a connection card. He didn't walk the aisle. He didn't download an app. He didn't pray the four spiritual laws or whatever. Jesus gave dignity to this man who had no dignity. I'm sure in his own shame of knowing how he got rich, he was not pleased with himself, but didn't know how to be set free. And he had heard about this guy, Jesus, who's doing miracles. I I want to just see this guy. And Jesus looks him in the eye. Listen, when Jesus looks you in the eye, you're changed. When you see his face, I don't mean literally. I mean spiritually, this understanding of how loved you are. How loved you are, it changes. I remember on October 26, 1992, I encountered the real Jesus. Everything was my imagination or a Jesus I had created by my experience. And he changed me. He changed me. And my life was changed in in an instant. And I know for a lot of people, it's a process. And it's always a process because a relationship is, is a process, right? It's nurtured. But I came into agreement with Jesus about who he was. That he is the Savior and Lord. I don't make him Lord. I don't make him Savior. He already is. I came into agreement with him. That's my favorite definition of faith is, is coming into agreement with what God already says is true. And if you've never come into agreement with Jesus that he is Savior and that he loves you and that the Father expressed his love to you through his Son. Sometimes we think we got to clean ourselves up and then we'll come to Jesus. No, he's the cleaner. (laughs) He's the one that does the cleaning as we just come to him in faith. The Holy Spirit will lead you and produce fruit in your life. Let's stop trying to follow Jesus, and let's follow Jesus. We're all going to fail. We're all going to need to, you know, repent and say, hey, Lord, I blew that one. But you can never, you can never snuff out his love in our, in our life. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray for each one of us to get to know you, the the true Lord and Savior that considers us family, brothers, sisters. Thank you for who you are working in our lives. Help us to know you better individually and as a church to help one another. In Jesus' name, amen.